Hey, I want you to take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Last week, we, we turned to Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 14, to examine Paul's challenge to the church in the last days. Our takeaway truth was this, it's too late to play church. And by the way, it's a week later and it's still too late to play church. If we're going to be the church, we need to be the church, right? If we say that we're going to be a follower of Jesus, we need to be a follower of Jesus. We need to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. We discovered last week that if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be in the last days... We have to incorporate three strategies right out of Romans chapter 13. We've got to love for the Lord's delight. We've got to look for the Lord's return, and we have to live for the Lord's glory. But today, I want to shift our focus. Instead of looking at the church in the last days, I want us to look at the church in the early days And I want to see why God blessed the church so much in the early days so that maybe we can learn some lessons so that he will bless us, the church, in the last days. Amen? So look look in Acts chapter 4. Now Luke was the author of both the gospel that bears his name and the book of Acts, which is his sequel. This beloved physician of the Apostle Paul introduces us to the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. Peter preached the gospel to a large crowd, and over 3,000 people were saved. Can you imagine preaching the gospel and 3,000 people being saved, baptized, and blessed with the presence of the indwelling Spirit of God. The church was birthed for the first time. And here's Luke's assessment of how the Lord gave favor to the church in the early days. In Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, the Bible says, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all. Now, don't we want that in the church of the last days? Boy, how he blessed the church in the early days. And I know that you, like myself, want the the, the favor of the Lord's blessing on the church, Carnival First Baptist Church, as we serve him in these last days. In Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, the Bible says... At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. We just sang about that, right? And they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them, 
However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Oh God, do it again. Do it again in these last days. The bold preaching of the apostles, along with the testimony of the new believers concerning the atoning death of Jesus and his glorious resurrection from the dead, sent the Jewish religious establishment into a rage, an absolute rage. For the next few moments, I want us to pop in on a prayer meeting that took place when this persecution began. Peter and John were arrested, threatened, and then released. And if we pay close attention to what takes place in this prayer meeting, I think we can learn some lessons from the early church that will help us to have the favor of God in the last days, church. Now, here's a point I want to make to you. And I believe this with all my heart. I believe that God wants to bless his church. By the way, it's not your church. It's not my church. It's his church, right? And he wants to bless his church, whether it's in the early days or whether it's in the last days. So we've got to lean into these lessons that we're going to learn by popping into this prayer meeting. And here's the first lesson. Number one, if we want God's blessing on the church that we serve, the church we're a part of, we got to learn this lesson from the early church. Number one, connect with God's church. Connect with God's church. The Jewish Sanhedrin had warned Peter and John to never speak or teach again in the name of Jesus. What a waste of breath. That's like telling the sun not to shine. Like telling the wind not to blow like telling the dog not to bark and like telling the earth not to spin on its axis and like telling a deer not to run. These guys were so committed to Jesus that they could not help but speak the name of Jesus. They couldn't help it. After the threat was issued, I want you to see what Peter and John did. Look at chapter 4, verse 23. And when they had been released... They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They went to the fellow, their fellow apostles. They went to fellow church members, and the apostles were eventually beaten because they continued to preach the name of Jesus, and they continued to preach the resurrection of Christ. They preached that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. And I want you to see how they responded when they were persecuted. In Acts chapter 5, verse 41 and 42, the Bible says, So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I want you to notice there was no panic in the body of Christ in the early church. The writer of Hebrews wrote about the importance of the church 
He said this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 to 25. He said, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day is that? Well, it's the day of our Lord's return. I said last week, and it's, it's even true this week, and it's even more true than it was last week. We are closer to the time of Jesus' appearance than any person in history. We are a week closer than we were last week. Jesus is coming. And the Bible says we need each other. Now, there are people who say, well, I don't need the church. They say the church is outdated. I'll tell you, friend, based upon the authority of God's word, I'll tell you in very strong terms, you do need the church. You need the church. You need to gather with the body of Christ so that we can be taught, so that we can worship, so that we can encourage one another as that day draws near. Meeting with God's people to pray about what we are facing is so encouraging in the face of opposition. By the way, I promise you this. If we love Jesus, if we take a stand for Jesus, we will face opposition. We're already facing it in our nation. We're already facing it in the world. And it's only going to get worse. You say, well, how do you know that? Because of the prophecy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus prophesied that a great time of persecution is coming for the church. And we've got to be ready for it. I would not do you any favors if I pretended that that time of opposition and persecution is not coming. I want you to be prepared. i tell you, the first step for us being prepared and doing what the early church did is we've got to connect with God's church. Secondly, believe in God's power. Believe in God's power in Acts chapter 4, verse 24. When they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and so said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. It's interesting here in verse 23 and 24, when they had been released, they went to their own companions, reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they panicked. Is that what it says? No. The Bible says they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Now that word Lord is an interesting word in the Greek language. It literally refers to an absolute all-powerful ruler who is sovereign over everything and everyone. Furthermore, they call him the creator. See, you created everything. This early church did not believe in evolution because Darwin hadn't spun his crazy tale yet, right? But I tell you this, they believe that God created everything. I'm going to tell you, I believe that God's the creator of everything too. 
I believe that he is Lord over everything, everything. I believe he has total sovereignty over every person, over every nation, over every ruler and leader of every nation, over every animal, over everything. He is sovereign. He's the creator. Now, this gave them great confidence. And you know what? It should give us great confidence also. We are not the church of Chicken Little, but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not run around screaming that the sky is falling when there's a pandemic. We do not run around screaming that the, the sky is falling when there is opposition and persecution. There is no panic in heaven. Over the chaos of this world reigns the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the resurrected Son of the living God before, before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whether they want to do it or not, they're going to do it. I promise you this because he's Lord. That should give us confidence. See, I want you to know that God wants to bless his church in the last days, just the way he blessed the church in the early days. But we got to learn these two lessons, connect with God's church, number one. And number two, believe in God's power. Do you believe in God's power? Do you believe that God's able to do anything he wants to do? Do you, do you honestly and truthfully, truthfully believe that nothing is impossible with God? That's what the Bible teaches us. But here's a third lesson we've got to learn. Number three, stand on God's word. Stand on God's word. In Acts chapter 4, verse 25 to 28, the Bible says this, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, and, and notice what they did in this prayer, they quoted Old Testament prophecy. They quoted Psalm 2. Who said, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city, what city was that by the way? It's Jerusalem, right? They were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Do you realize that after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he spent the better part of 40 days with his disciples, with his apostles, teaching them prophecy. He took the Old Testament prophecies about himself, and he taught his disciples so that they could understand biblical prophecy and understand that he had everything under his control. Now keep in mind that this psalm, Psalm 2, was written a thousand years before Jesus was incarnated. These apostles marveled that God had clearly indicated beforehand exactly what would happen. A thousand years before these events took place, God knew they were going to take place, and he wrote it in the Scriptures in Psalm 
chapter 2. They, were, they marveled that the whole world would reject Jesus the Messiah and that Jerusalem would become the vocal point of opposition to the Lord Jesus. By the way, it's still that way today, right? It's still that way today. When we as a body of Christ take a bold stand for Jesus and his truth, we can expect opposition and we can expect even persecution. Listen, we got word uh, today that some of our partners in a part of the world where there is persecution are going to have a baptismal service, not at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, because that's too obvious. You know when they're having it? They're having it in the dead of night tonight. You know why? Because they don't want to draw the authorities into this situation and bring persecution upon these new believers. You say, is that really happening in our world today? Absolutely. It's happening all over the world. I want to stop right now. I want to pray for our partners. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these partners that we have been working with for some time. And I pray for their baptismal service. I pray that you would not allow the authorities to find out about it. I pray, Lord, that you would bless that baptismal service. And I pray that King Jesus will be honored and glorified. And I pray, Lord, that these new believers would deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow you. Oh, Lord God, do an amazing work in their lives. Make this baptismal service uh, just super special for your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I read about a 19-year-old Chinese girl. She was persecuted. She was arrested because she believed in Jesus. She was arrested because she was sharing the gospel, and that's outlawed in China. So she was beaten, and she was thrown into prison. In that prison... The, the smell of that slimy floor, which was covered with human excrement, was overwhelming. And, and she just sort of squatted down and tried to sleep squatting down so that she could keep her bloody sores from being infected by that filth. She, she prayed. She said, Lord, how can I continue to share the gospel? One day she was quietly singing a hymn, and it was like the, the Lord impressed this thought on her mind. This is to be your ministry. Lord, I'm all alone. With, with whom can I share the gospel? Suddenly she got an idea. She called for the guard, and the guard came to her cell, and she said, sir, can I do some hard labor for you? And the guard was shocked. No prisoner had ever asked for hard labor. But this young lady, 19 years old, asked for some hard labor. She said, sir, look, this prison is filthy. If you'll just give me a bucket of water and a brush, I'll go into every one of these cells and I will clean them up. So he brought her a bucket of water and a brush. 
And he opened the cell doors for all the other prisoners. And she went into every cell. And while she was cleaning up the filth in those cells, she shared the gospel. And these people who thought that no one ever never see another human being were overwhelmed that she was in there doing this kind of menial labor for them. And they heard the gospel, and every one of those prisoners in those cells got saved. Every single one of them. Because of the testimony of this godly, young, 19-year-old believer. Well, when the warden of the prison found out about it, he was infuriated. And he said, he made her sit down and write down on a sheet of paper a confession of her crimes. You know what she did? She sat down with a paper and she wrote out the gospel. And, and the, the, the warden got it. And, and some of the, 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 the Chinese soldiers got saved as a result. Now how awesome is the Lord our God that he would take a young 19-year-old Chinese lady who was bold with her faith who would stand on God's word on the gospel of Jesus Christ and not compromise and not back down, and he would do it for his glory and his honor and the expansion of his kingdom in a place where you would never think the kingdom of God could expand. I tell you, it's amazing. Learning from the church in the early days is vital for us if we're going to be the church the Lord wants us to be in the last days. What have we learned so far? Well, number one, connect with God's church. You, you need to be a part of a church. Now, if you're here today and you're not a part of a local New Testament church, I want to invite you to prayerfully consider being a part of Carville First Baptist Church. You need the church. You need to come together with believers to hear the Word of God, to worship like we've worshiped today, to pray, to seek the face of God, to be encouraged as the day draws near the day of our Lord's return. Connect with God's church. Believe in God's power. Stand on God's word. And number four, pray for God's glory. Here's another lesson for us. Pray for God's glory. Look at verses 29 and 30 of Acts chapter 4. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus now when I read these two verses you know what struck me it struck me about what they didn't pray for what they didn't ask God for they didn't pray that God would zap their oppressors they didn't pray that God would remove them from the danger. They didn't even pray that God would give them favor with Jewish leaders. Don't you think that's a little significant? But what did they pray for? Notice what they prayed for. They said, Lord, you're sovereign over every situation in our lives. You're the creator God. Lord, would you take note of their threats? Well, nothing that those believers could ever face could escape the notice of God, right? And they just built on that and said, Lord, take note of their threats. And here's her second request. 
Grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. Well, preaching the gospel got him in, in trouble in the first place. They didn't ask for an excused absence from sharing the gospel or preaching the gospel. They said, Lord, grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. My goodness. That's powerful, isn't it? What a lesson for us today. And finally, they asked the Lord to extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders to take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The early church was zealous for the name of Jesus to be glorified by a perpetual string of awe-inspiring miracles and the handiwork of God that could be traced only to God would result in people being saved. When the heat is turned up in our lives, I'm telling you, it's going to be turned up even higher. You you need to know that. When the heat is turned up in our lives because of our stand for Jesus, we must focus our prayers on God's glory, not on our safety. Let me repeat that. When the heat's turned up, And persecution is a reality. We need to focus our prayers on God's glory, not our safety. Boy, what a lesson for us. This requires that we bank on the promises of the Word of God. I wish I had time this morning. I would take you to Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39, and we would look at that wonderful, pro- those promises that, that Paul wrote there in Romans chapter 8. We would go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talked about the, the, the certainty of persecution and, and how to face it as believers. And wonderful promises there, promises that God would reward us for our faithfulness. God wants to bless his church whether it's the early church or the church of the last days. So here's here's the key. Connect with God's church, believe in God's power, stand on God's word, pray for God's glory. Number five, last one, depend on God's spirit. Depend on God's spirit. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, all heaven broke loose. Look at it. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. You know what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God? It means that the Holy Spirit of God who indwells you has control of your life. You see, the issue is not how much of the Holy Spirit you have as a believer. You've got all the Holy Spirit. The issue is how much of you does the Holy Spirit have control of? That's the issue. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit who gave them boldness and power to preach the gospel. Listen, when you're under the gun and the persecution raises its ugly head because you take a stand for Jesus... You must not fall into the trap of trying to handle that situation in your own power, in your own strength. Do you realize that every born-again believer in this room 
You have the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, just as much as God the Father and God the Son. And your body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Paul wrote that we are to glorify God where? In our bodies. We're to glorify God in our bodies. You need the fresh anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit when you face these crucial moments in your life. Now, next Sunday, we will celebrate this church's 150th anniversary. And I want all of you to be here next Sunday. It's going to be a glorious Sunday. Dr. Randy Davis, the president and executive director of the Tennessee Baptist Convention, will be preaching the word. We're going to have a great choir and orchestra. We're going to have a wonderful time of worship. We're going to have these two meals, one at lunch and one at 530 in the afternoon. It's going to be a wonderful time. So I want to encourage you to be here to celebrate the fact that we do have a rich heritage, but we also have, now listen, we also have a bright future. Listen, we're not going to settle on the fact that what God has done in the past here is all we're going to get. We believe that God has a special plan for this church going forward, right? Until Jesus comes. We believe that nothing is impossible with our God. We believe that if we connect with God's people, if we believe in God's power, if we stand on God's word, if we pray for God's glory, and if we depend on God's spirit, we can see God do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. We could see, listen, we literally could see that the church in the last days, CFBC in the last days, can be blessed like the church in the early days. Amen? Isn't that what you want? I don't want to be a part of a dead church. Do you? I don't want to be a part of a church that's status quo. I want to be a part of a church that is on fire for Jesus, a church that has a vision to reach the world for Christ, a vision to be strong, mobile, godly, Filled with the Spirit of God, being used by Him for His glory wherever we are, whatever we do. So let me ask you a question. As we look at these five lessons we've learned today, they're up there on the board. Can you say that these are lessons that you've learned and you're, you're applying to your life? Is it? I'm going to ask our, our worship team to come, our staff to come. And we're going to have a time of response. We're going to give you a a chance to respond to these five lessons in your life. Now, if you're a believer and you say, well, pastor, I'm really not hitting these five or, or two of these five or one of these five real well in my life. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Come to this altar. Pray. Turn these five into a prayer request. Ask God to help you to connect with God's people on a regular basis. Ask God to help you to believe in his power, to stand on his word, to pray for his glory, and to depend on his spirit. I I can tell you it's his will that you do those things. 
It's his will that we as a church learn these lessons and we apply them to our lives as the body of Christ. I want to encourage you to obey the Lord in this matter. But look, you may be here today and you're not a believer. You know, you may know Jesus intellectually. I believe there are a lot of people in our world today who know Jesus intellectually. They believe that he existed. They may even believe that that he died on a cross. They even may believe that he may have been resurrected from the dead, but they've not embraced him as their Savior and their Lord. They've not received him by faith. They've not repented of their sin. Maybe I'm describing you today. And you know what? You're searching around. You're looking for something to fill that empty void in your life. And I tell you, there's only one who can fill that void. And his name is a resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He can do that for you. And I want to encourage you, come to Christ today. You say, Pastor, what do I need to do? Well, you just come to one of our staff members and you just tell them, today, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord, just the way those 3,000 did on the day of Pentecost. I want to believe and be baptized. Maybe you've never been baptized scripturally. And God's calling you today to follow up your belief, your faith in Jesus, your salvation with believer's baptism today. I want to encourage you, come. Hey, believer, listen. There's going to come a time when it's going to be too late to apply these lessons either through your own age, through your own death, or through the coming of Jesus. I want to encourage you. Now's the time to do it. Now's the time to obey God. Now's the time to do exactly what this scripture teaches us today. So let's take these lessons. Let's apply them to our lives. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these incredible lessons that we learn from the early church. And I pray, Lord, that we would apply them to our lives. Lord, last week we said it's too late to play games. And Lord, it's really too late. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to take these lessons and you would help us to embrace them and learn from them and apply them and be the church in the last days that can have the blessings of the church in the early days. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Glorify yourself, Lord.